Hello, community. This is Shonda Smith-Baker from Conversations with Shonda. Today's conversation is a bit of a part two. It is a conversation with my son, Malik Rucker, and the incredible work that he is leading at V3 Sports. Check out the first episode. Go back. Follow Conversations with Shonda. Look up Malik Rucker, and you will hear more about his upbringing, our relationship, and some other really good nuggets of wisdom that he's offered us about how to engage young people in community. You're listening to Conversations with Shonda, a podcast that unpacks the community's grittiest, most vexing problems, hosted by Shonda Smith-Baker. This episode is sponsored by the Black Collective Foundation, a philanthropic movement advancing the genius of Black-led change. The Black Collective Foundation is Minnesota's first Black community foundation working to create a thriving ecosystem of Black-led change. Together, they are advancing the genius of Black-led change and building a community where all Black people are holistically well and living in dignity and prosperity. To learn more, go to minnesotablackcollectivefoundation.org. So I'm back on uh, Conversations with Shonda, having um, this conversation with my son, uh, Malik. Malik was featured on an earlier podcast episode, and I wanted to provide an update to you, community, on what he has been up to and the work that he's leading in North Minneapolis. So Malik, welcome back to Conversations with Shonda. Happy to be here. Um, When you were on the conversation before, we dived a little bit more into our relationship um, our upbringing, our commitment to North Minneapolis, and what we saw in terms of the opportunities that exist here and the assets that exist here. In this conversation, I would like to spend a little bit more time talking about the work that you're leading at V3 Sports. Mm-hmm. And so if you wouldn't mind um, just providing an introduction of who you are and what you're doing, and then we'll dive a little bit more into what V3 is. Yeah, uh, my name is Malik Rucker. I serve as the executive director for V3 Sports. I am one of Northside's sons, uh, Shonda's son, uh, Charles' son, and uh, um, always growing up, always used the the programming and the resources that North Minneapolis has uh, provided to me and my family, which has allowed me to then go on to receive a full-ride scholarship to University of Iowa and then eventually graduating from Western Michigan University with a sport management degree. Um, And then coming back to Minneapolis to utilize the talents and skills that I gained through um, that process. So today I serve as the exec director of V3. What V3 is, is we're we're a nonprofit located right in North Minneapolis on Plymouth and Lindale. And our mission is to elevate our community through wellness, fitness and education. And if you don't know, we're doing that through a 40,000 square foot build, uh, which is our first phase of a two phase project. So 40,000 first phase, we got another 200 coming for the second phase. And it's all about creating an environment for family to be active, to be healthy, to have a nutritious meal, to get educated, to learn water instruction, to play sports, Um, really a community hub uh, right in our own community. We'll host our own tournaments, we'll host our own galas, we'll host our own weddings and everything right in our own community instead of having a leave outside of our community for that type of amenity. Because we have listeners really all over the world, could you provide um, just a description of North Minneapolis? A description? That's a tough one. I say North Minneapolis is, uh, is, 
is a is a great place that has history and tradition and a lot of staple people and families that's come together to create a quality neighborhood in um in in place in Minneapolis. It's uh historically a black community and uh it's 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 made of love and opportunity and greatness and there's a ton of tons of potential that we've yet to reach but um our our elders and ancestors have laid a great foundation for us to be able to continue to build. So where V3 is on that corridor, there's many corridors that look like that in organ and in uh, communities that haven't had the same development investment. Can you just sort of describe what that corridor looks like and what you maybe are envisioning that it will look like um, with uh, V3 as a catalyst? It's really industrial. Across the street, we have Lynn Park neighborhood. Behind us, we have Heritage Park neighborhood, two neighborhoods that have very different needs. Um, across the street from us, we have uh, Comcast. We have Walmart Optical. And if you don't know Walmart Optical, they're a med device company sitting right in North Minneapolis. Uh, nobody knows it. Um, and then across the street, we have Twin Cities Rise. We have Minneapolis Public Schools Nutrition Center. Go down a little bit further, you have the Northside Child Care Development Center and the DMV. Right. So it's it's very much a commercial corridor, but um, there's not a lot of activity. V3 was an old warehouse. We used to be a book bindery. Um, as we continue to go through our construction, we heard that Comcast is moving their staff from St. Paul into North Minneapolis, uh, which is a big commitment from a um, from a corporation of that size. Um, so what I hope to see in this corridor is a, a place where we can have meals, we can play, we can work hard, we can play hard, and we can live, right? There's already neighborhoods, there's already people living, but there's not many places to sit down and have a meal. There's not a lot of places to go get on a treadmill or to squat or play a bat, pick, uh, pick up basketball game. So uh, really just wanting to create a space where community can work hard, play hard, and live. One of the other things that I think is notable about what um, you and the V3 team is doing is that it is also a place for whole families. Can you mm -hmm. talk about the value of having places and spaces in community for whole families and, and multiple multi-generational um, mm -hmm. efforts to happen? Yeah, it's a, in today's world, we're, we're going through a challenge of passing down stories, passing down connections, passing down family connections. And um, it's, it's, it's hard to put one reason on why that's happening, but what V3 is going to allow is those stories to be transferred from generation to generation to generation, right? Um, I also really believe in social capital. I think that the neighborhood of Lim Park can be uh, an asset to Heritage Park neighborhood and the children, the 500 children that live in Heritage Park neighborhood, it only takes one connection, right? It takes one connection that, to, that you see yourself and now you want to be a lawyer or a doctor or um, an entrepreneur or whatever it may be. And that one connection will introduce you to one person and one person. And now you change your whole family's dynamic off of a connection that you could possibly make at V3. So I'm really excited about the opportunity to uh, for economic mobility and to build social capital 
at V3 um, into connect communities. And, and through that, um, it's generations, it's it's a place for the full family, right? You we'll have we'll have grandma upstairs um on the fitness floor and then we'll have our teenagers in our out of school time spaces doing technology, playing Xbox, whatever it may be. Um, and then we'll have babies as little as six weeks in our drop-in childcare. And when you leave, you'll be able to take a meal with you. So it's one of those places where you get a, a bunch of things for the full family. And um, I'm excited to see how everybody connects and um, builds community. Just to sort of get down to what's included, sort of core to the V3 vision um, has been the Olympic-sized swimming pool that will be located there. The facility will offer so much more, but the, but that's really what many people have known it to be. So can we just touch a little bit on why swimming, why there, why Olympic-sized pool? Yeah, well, the North Minneapolis community doesn't have um, many public pools, which means that we're not um, learning to swim, which means disparities. That is where we kind of started out. And we we know that there's, we have two programs, um, a swim to learn program and a swim to earn. So being able to teach through aquatics, of how, how can you make money through it? Um, how can you feel comfortable when you go out to Lake Minnetonka and not have to just be scared on the boat and to be able to be present and enjoy yourself around water? So water water safety is a, is a huge thing. And then we acquired the pool for the USA Olympics um, swim trials in 2021. And that was important to us because it exemplifies excellence, right? Um, it's the best of the best that has swim in that pool. And in our community now, it has one of the best pools in the world. So it's one of the best facilities and the best pools in the world right in our own neighborhood. And it's also one of three 50 meters in the state of Minnesota that you can compete in. Um, one or two in the metro, the other is at the University of Minnesota, and then the third is at um, in Rochester. So that makes us a regional destination. So we'll have people from outside of the county coming to North Minneapolis and then spending money with our businesses. And we also have four multi-use courts, which we'll be able to do basketball, do some volleyball. We'll be able to host pretty much anything in that, in that um, facility. And then we have a bunch of different event spaces. So it makes us a regional attraction in North Minneapolis versus having to go to Hopkins for for a basketball tournament or having to go to Menominee, Wisconsin, right? Uh, we'll be able to do that right in our own neighborhood with beautiful views too. Tell me, for your perspective, why is being able to do things in your neighborhood important? And I raise this because often communities, urban communities, Black communities, communities of color often don't get the same level of investments or their facilities may not look the same. And so for those mm -hmm. listening that are thinking about doing development, they sometimes will look at numbers or they'll look at data or they'll look at the narrative of place and maybe they might think that it's not worth the investment. But mm -hmm. can you just color in a little bit on why, why is having a place of excellence so important to everybody not just the people that live there but specifically the people that live there because we deserve it i mean we've uh we've had so many years of underinvestment and disinvestment that it, it's come to come to this that we have to to create and uh we're creating our own and nobody's gonna come save us and nobody's gonna come do it so 
uh, we're having to do it on our own. And um, to be able to have the resources and the talent and the skills to get it done um, is a credit to, like I said, our elders and uh, the people that's come before us to be able to provide this this type of position um, in our own community. Um, second, I will say it's it's an access thing, right? We have so many talented people. I mean, you think of AAU basketball. When we go to Eaton Prairie, our teams are the best teams. They want to play our teams. We have the best and most talented kids. Um, and because of that, we having to go to them. Imagine if we get home court advantage, how much better we could be, right? Um, so just having the access to be able to walk to be able to ride the bus, to be able to feel ownership over a space um, that's in your neighborhood um, is, is very inspirational and it means a lot to, to families. And you'll be surprised how many parents have not seen their kids play a sport because of transportation, right? Um, but what if you can catch the bus down to, to uh, your kid's basketball game or walk across the, tr across the street to your kid's basketball game? So it's, it's really the access of um, accessibility for not only participants, but the family. We talk about the family again. We talk about grandma. We talk about grandpa that they just don't have the, the capacity to make it to Menominee, Wisconsin. But, but they can make it down to V3, which is blocks away from their, um, their household. I know that you have shared um, in the other episode that we did. And again, I encourage people to go listen to that. But what is the swimming disparity? What is a disparity for for folks in neighborhoods? Could you share that? Yeah, I know that, uh, in, in Minnesota, the um, it's a 64 percent chance, a uh, higher chance that uh, black folks will drown um, compared to white counterparts. Um, so it's. It's a, it's a big disparity. There's a bunch of disparities going on in, in, in Minnesota. I might have misquoted that, so don't quote me on that. I know it's something around 64%. It might actually be 64% of community isn't swimming. So it's one of the two. Um, the other stat that I do know is that if uh, if parents don't know how to swim, like, there's an only a 19% chance that the child will know how to swim or, get to, or, or learn to swim. So um, it's a generational thing. Mm-hmm. So you're you're building this facility. Um, you talked about uh, the phase one. Um, what are the phases? What is the total amount of um, that you need to raise? Like what what can you give us a little bit of the scope? So phase one is 40,000 square feet. It was about a twenty three million dollar bill. Um, and then phase two is about two hundred thousand square feet. So um, a much bigger scale which has about an $80 million price tag. Um, so all in all, we're looking, including um, operational uh, raise in the, in the construction raise, we're looking at about $120 million investment into North Minneapolis community. Uh, the second phase includes underground parking and includes four multi-use courts, community and event spaces. It includes the 50-meter pool with 1,000 spectator seats around it. It includes additional fitness spaces, additional admin, and um, just a bunch of different community spaces. Um, that's phase two. Phase one includes a 25-yard instructional pool. It includes a therapy pool, one of the only ones in North Minneapolis. 
It also includes a restaurant, a full fitness floor, um, and then additional community spaces and admin spaces as well. So uh, we'll have drop-in childcare in the first phase, and we'll also be a Boys and Girls Club location teaching STEAM education and experiential learning. That's um, fantastic. So who are you raising money from? So our first phase, we were able to, to break ground and build debt-free. And we were able to do that through philanthropy and grants. And uh, we also were able to um, get a loan from the city of Minneapolis. And um, so primarily it's been through individuals and institutions. Um, The city of Minneapolis came through and so did um, a form of financing called New Market Tax Credits. We were able to secure allocation through Sunrise Bank. In the state? So the state of Minnesota has uh, committed to our second phase. Okay. So we have we have uh, we have 15 million from the state of Minnesota committed to so the second phase and closing out the V3 Center bill. One of the things that I've been really impressed in is the way that you all have engaged community throughout this first phase and how um, you have had a series of events and opportunities for people to get connected to V3. Can you share why that's been important and and what has been the feedback from that strategy? Yeah, we're we're looking at V3 in a little bit of a different way um, and and looking at it in a collaborative way and empowering community to have ownership and feel ownership of this space. So I think uh, about when, you know, it was a couple years ago, we, when we were in the design phase, we had 10 youth go through a charrette, design charrette, and they designed the entire plaza. So they, they designed the plaza, they picked the furniture. They also um, designed the Boys and Girls Club out of school time space and the drop-in childcare. So to be able to um, tap into our young folks and, um, and for them to be able to see their ideas and thoughts um, come into fruition is something that I'm excited to see. That's one way that we um, engage community. But the, the big piece is um, building something that the community can see as an asset and that's productive and it's comfortable and um, it's our space. Mm-hmm. When you say young people that help design it, what do you mean by young? Like, are we talking high school? Like what? I'm talking from um, sixth grade till about 10th grade. Mm. those six to 10 graders yeah because you're from the community and you know I've done work a lot of work here but I've always been delighted to hear things different than what I expected to hear when I Mm -hmm. engage around that like did you did they come up with stuff and you're like wow like um, I never thought I would hear that or I never I didn't expect that like yeah um one of the one of the big architectural features that they provided the the input that they provided was they said how can we how can we bring what's inside outside so they decided to because of the olympic trials pool they decided to put um lane lines uh track track lane lines so it looks the the architecture will on the plaza will look like um a, a curve on a track right and then there's a podium. So there's a first, second, third place podium that they just they said we need a place where people can 
can come here, they can take pictures and then they'll post it. And they uh they placed it in such a way that um it catches the downtown views as well. So there's a, a podium with the downtown views. And they did that in partnership with our architect firm, LSC, and um, Keon Blossom Game. So uh, I give a lot of credit to LSC and Keon for being able to extract these ideas and to be able to actually include them in the design. Mm-hmm. Did um, the reason why I think that is important is because often people come in the community and begin to develop, or when you're from a community, um, you might make assumptions about what the needs are. Or I tell people I'm from the neighborhood. I still ask all the time what people need, what they're feeling, what they're seeing. Um, Mm -hmm. on an ongoing basis. And I think the importance of being in relationship is really what you're talking about with community actually helps improve what it is you're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. I agree. And um, I would say in my experience, there's, there's different needs. Like I said, I spoke to a little bit earlier. I believe that the Heritage Park neighborhood has different needs than the Lynn Park neighborhood, both North side communities. And to be engaged and to, be able to to listen and to utilize the inputs from from differing needs is is also it's a, it's a challenge but it's good to know that both communities are engaged in this the different levels of community out there and what we found is we we need to meet people where they are and and get outside really and we show up you'll see us at all of the tabling events and getting input and letting people know what's going on and updating on the progress. And uh, we've been actively doing swim lessons and swim programming at Franklin Middle School. We've also done um, a lot of swim clinics at Franklin Middle School as well. Uh, We had an event with Speedo um, a couple of months ago, actually, um, at Franklin, and we brought in Colin Jones, who uh, is a black swimmer and world record holder, and um, won gold with Michael Phelps, and uh, one of the best um, African American swimmers out there, and one of the best swimmers ever in in, in this world. So, uh, to be able to have that level of excellence and commitment um, is great. So, I know uh, obviously a lot about your story, but if we back into the kids that are growing up, like what, what is your hope for how they see that, that space? I hope they feel ownership of it. I hope they feel that this is a place that they can come and be themselves. It is a place that um, after I get done doing what I'm doing, I can go home to uh, whatever I'm going to. So to be able to create a safe space and a place where, they can just be themselves and get away from all of the outside noise and whatever and all the challenges that are going on in, in life. Um, everybody experiences different challenges, but if B3 can be that place where um, you know that you're going to have a good time, you know you're going you're gonna to run into your friends, you know that there's going to be caring and thoughtful adults around, and um, you know that you're going to have that village. So a place of, of safety, support, and fun and um and ownership is what I hope that the youth gain from that. And I hope they gain a ton of skills, right? I, I hope they gain a ton of skills to then be able to go to do whatever they want to do, whether it be the NBA, whether it be uh, a scientist, 
whether they want to be a chemist, whatever it is, um, I hope they are able to to channel their curiosity and to be able to engage in different activities that uh, feeds into that curiosity and allows them to then go off and um, and do great things and then come back to Minneapolis, hopefully the north side to continue the development of North Minneapolis. What do you see as the value of sports for young people? Often there's this thing like you you need to be a student athlete, agreed, but people will sometimes um, do it as a either or versus a both and in terms Mm -hmm. of how they will frame it. And so from your vantage point, both as an athlete and now someone who is creating opportunities for others, how would you um, sort of articulate the advantages of, of being engaged in sport? And I was probably one of those uh, athletes that the athlete definitely came before a student. Uh, but that's how it is sometimes. And um, I was able to graduate. I got my MBA. So it, it worked out for me. But I think just the advantages of, of sport, whether you're good or not, um, you get to learn discipline, commitment. You learn how to lose. You learn how to win. You understand how to work within teams or by yourself. You get to understand and carve out what is my what is my role to to reach this ultimate goal, right? Things aren't gonna go your way. And that's how life is. And um I think there's also a level of dedication that you have to have to your craft and to be able to say, okay, I'm good at this, I need to get better at that, and to capitalize on your strengths. One of the things that I also learned from my experience playing sports is um, it's, it keeps you even kill, right? It, it keeps you um, on your toes and wanting to get better. Um, so knowing that I might have made a good play, uh, but coach is going to say, but I didn't do that right. And I didn't do that right. And I didn't do that right. I know some parts of life, that's not going to be great. That's not a great mindset. But um, for, for our kids to learn that, um, you know, you can always do better and commit to bettering yourself um, is a is a good skill to have. I also think the friendships, right? Some of my best friends that I've had came from playing for the Police Activities Leagues or the Minneapolis Hustlers. And that was 15 years ago, right? I have 15-year friendships off the sport teams that I played on. And um, it's, it's, it's great to have a community of people and friends that you get to grow up with and do life with. So I think there's a, a lot of advantages to playing sports. I think there's a lot of advantages to to arts and education as well in those uh, in those fields. So um, I think, and then, and then there's a thing of I can actually go out here and make money doing this thing that I love. So it's also a thing that um, takes families to a different level um, from a socioeconomic standpoint. And it, and there's a there's a commitment level that you have to have to get to that point. So mm-hmm. if you're if you're a, a JV basketball player or you make it all the way to the Olympics, I think there's lessons in all of it. Yeah. When you um, talked earlier about swim to learn or swim to earn, what is swim to earn? What does that mean? So swim to earn is one of those things where it's kind of like sports, right? There's if you don't know about the opportunity to make money within sports, you're not going to go do it, right? It's the exposure piece. Mm 
Outside of being the the athlete, exactly the sport. Exactly. So a lot of times um, we think where we got to be the person on the field as a player, or um, we might even say we could be a coach or agent, but we don't think about all of the business that happens to to get a game done. Right. To when we walk into U.S. Bank Stadium and the Vikings are playing, somebody made that deal to name it U.S. Bank Stadium. Right. And that's a very lucrative deal. And um, it's it's the same type of model. Um, so Swim to Earn is teaching folks different ways to earn money through aquatics. So I think of lifeguards. I think of water instructors. I also think of chemists. How are we balancing the water? I also think of engineers who is making the pools. Right. Um, who is um, engineering our filtration? So. Um, there's officials, there's um, content creators, there's all of these different opportunities to to learn um, through swimming, the ability to earn money. You said at the opening that you're the executive uh, director of V3. What has been your path that has gotten you to that role? Because you're you're young ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're getting out. <laughs> I'm getting older. You're getting older, but you're young, right? Yeah. And and um and you've come from um, this historic neighborhood, which has lots of assets, but people often underestimate the potential. Mm-hmm. And so here you are from here. But what what has been your path and and your lessons that you've learned as you've grown into your leadership? Yeah, I, I alluded to it earlier in the conversation of. Uh, I grew up utilizing the resources of North Minneapolis. I played for the Police Activities League. I played for the Minneapolis Hustlers. I ran track for the Hospitality House. I was a kid at Oak Park Neighborhood Center. I went to Harvest Prep. Um, I went to um, Mary T. Welcome and Phyllis Wheatley. So all of these, uh, all of these resources that we've had. And I think it was intentional on your parts as far as parents, but um, to be able to utilize that um, to to have the skills to be able to go on to the University of Iowa on a full ride scholarship to play football to the Big Ten allowed me to learn even more. Um, And a lot of my lessons came off the field. Right. So being able to learn how to network, being able to deal with white people, being able to um, see and be on on a team with people that come from all different types of walk of lives. Um, And it all it all came together as I continued to grow throughout my career. So, you know, also I've been I went through times, um, hard times in my career where I was injured or I wasn't getting the playing time that I thought I had that I deserved. I went through a year where I had to sit out because I transferred. So um, going through those dark times and really having to buckle down and um, and, and figure, figure it out by myself because I didn't have parents and I, <laughs> I didn't have, uh, you know, I had a couple people that maybe understood what I was going through, but for the most part, it was just getting through it. Um, so I think those are also lessons that I've learned on the way to leadership. I think one of the biggest lessons also is that I went from the University of Iowa 
to Western Michigan University, very different um, traditions. And I don't know if we can say Western had had, a, had traditions before P.J. Fleck got there. But what I can say is that Iowa did. And they had Big Ten and they had Hayden Fry and Kirk Ferentz and Bob Sanders and Sean Green and all of these uh, great guys. And um, you got the wave and 70,000 fans screaming every weekend. And with that, it comes you're 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 going into a program that has tradition, that has um, all of the things in place really to be a great program. My freshman year at Iowa, we played Western Michigan. We beat them 55 to zero. They were one in 11 that year. And then two years later, I'm at Western Michigan. And um, Western had the biggest turnaround in college football history at the time, from one in 11 to eight and five. Then there was another eight, five year. And then there was a 13 and 0 year, right? MAC champions uh, brought the city out, fans. We got a lot of different pride, um, tradition, uh, a, a level of excellence. So, I've learned to be able to build. I learned to be able to fit into a culture of tradition and excellence. And um, I think that's a, a great lesson. Upon graduation, um, I had no idea what to do. So now I go from being 22, 23 years old, playing sports and going to school since I was five years old to doing neither one of them, right? Which creates a identity crisis. You don't know who you are. I'm not in Michigan or Iowa anymore. I'm first time being back home in five years living um, at my mom's house, like trying to figure it out. It was a challenging period. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm but I'm grateful because everybody doesn't have that ability to go to their mom's house after um, after they get through that. So, but and then you also got the the pressures of people saying, "Okay, I thought you was going to the league. I thought you was going to. I thought I was going to the league too." Right. It didn't work out for me like that. Um, but um, those are also lessons that I had. I had to figure it out um, and I had to grow and I networked like crazy. And um, I ended up going to work for Big Brothers, Big Sisters. I was just doing a job that didn't capitalize on my skills and my my expertise. And um, I wasn't feeling fulfilled throughout the day. I knew it was something that I wouldn't be able to do for too, too long. And um, being able to identify that and say, what what is my passion? What am I passionate about? Where could I go and, and work every day? And it came back to sport. It came back to sport. There's not really too many days in sport where it's the same. You kind of really don't know what you're going to get yourself into some days. And, and with that, um, I felt relieved to find something that I was happy to do again. Uh, but I saw the opportunity and um, the potential that sports can have on your career. I, I see, um, you know, the, the Kevin Warrens of the world, who was the, the highest ranking executive in the NFL at the time. Um, and now is the president of the Bears and was the Big Ten commissioner. So I see somebody like him looks like me, has a similar background as me. Um, be able to have have some success in sports. And um, that also was a, a big driving factor for myself. So one of the biggest lessons that I had to learn through that time was some of your best steps are backwards. Mm. I went to 
I went to, um, I went from being a coordinator at Big Brothers Big Sisters to taking an internship at the Minnesota Twins. And I also started to go to school to get my MBA from the University of North Texas. And with that, I said, say you go from a coordinator to an intern, which means you're taking a big, big, big step back from not only pay, but how you're looked at in the organization. And, um, you know, you kind of got to put all that to the side for, for the greater goal, which is another lesson of keeping the end in mind. But um, I, during this time, I definitely learned that some of your greatest steps will be backwards mm-hmm. to catapult yourself forward. So um, just just that 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 grind, that journey um, to be able to build relationships. I think another lesson out there is that a lot of people talk about it's who you know, it's who you know, it's who you know. And I don't agree with that. It's a lot of people that are known that don't get opportunity. And I say I, I try to tell people, especially if I'm talking to a younger professional, it's about who knows you when they're in that room. When there's an opportunity comes up, do they think about you? You might be, you might know them, but if they don't think about you and they don't know you and your work and what your reputation is, you're not going to get that opportunity. So um, make sure people know who you are. So there's a lot of people that um, is particularly following 2020. So you've touched on a couple of things that I know that I hear regularly, um, really across the country of people that one are trying to tap in more to what they, what they love really mm-hmm. perhaps what their purpose is. Um, and in some cases, it might require you to take a pause, to take a step back, to think differently about how you do that work. So, you know, you did, you know, certainly you you talked through some of it, but, you know, this is an individual move, right? This is stuff that you have to wrestle down yourself. You can You can process it with people, but really this is you versus you, right? Mm-hmm. And so- would would the advice be just to take the leap or what would you what would you say to people that might be in a position of I need to think differently about my work? Well, I think to to start out, people a lot of times the advice would be to follow your purpose, right? But everybody doesn't know that it doesn't always come to people naturally. Um some people have a grasp on what their purpose is automatically. Um but just because you don't know your purpose doesn't mean that you shouldn't move. So I'd encourage and advise folks to follow their curiosity and see where it takes you. Um, curiosity, you might not ever have a, a straight up purpose, but you know what you're curious about and you know what you like. So um, I would encourage um, people to follow what their curiosity is. You recently got recognized at, um, at the uh, soccer game, at the football game. Mm-hmm. Um, can you say what what that was and what that meant for you at this stage of your career? Yeah, I got recognized and I, it was a it was a special day because I had no idea that was happening. And all my family was there. And uh, I want to shout out Erica for facilitating this and making it happen. The Minnesota United recognized me with their start in North um, uh, recognition and award during a Minnesota United FC soccer game. And it just, it, it does feel good to be recognized by your people, right? And I know I know it's a award that, um, you know, they select folks, but to be able to get recognized for the work that you're doing 
and do and 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 to be able to get that in front of twenty thousand people, but most importantly, my family um, was just an amazing feeling. It was I was back on the field, like it felt like I was at a <laughs> I was back on the field. I felt like I was at my own football game, getting ready to perform, and um, it just it's just a blessing to be able to get recognized by the folks that know the work that you've been putting in and can acknowledge that. Like we see you and um, it feels good coming from your people. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to Minnesota United. I'm grateful to Erica and I'm grateful to everybody that played a role in making it happen because I had no idea I was being recognized for it until I literally walked on the field. So um, it's, it's something that it's a memory that I'm going to take with me for the rest of my life. And I'm going to share that with my kids and grandkids one day. Um, because it was just an award that I had no idea about. Um, and uh, it, it felt good to be recognized uh, in front of a ton of folks, but by the people that are being impacted by the work that I do every day. For for you, early early career, but certainly not to diminish the impact that you've had, but you've had a number of people that have supported you. You've just mentioned a few. Mm-hmm. There are um, people out there that um, need support. There's people out there that want to give support. What what if someone is looking to say, look, I see someone who I think has a lot of talent and I want to I want to support them. What would you what would you advise or recommend? I would advise them to take action. But I also think it has to be a mutual, mutually beneficial relationship. So not only will you be supporting, but I'm sure there will be support that comes from that person that you see as a talented individual. Uh, so take action, bring them to coffee, bring that person to happy hour or um, show them your office space, take them on a, a day at the, a day in your life. I really think uh, just taking the time with somebody that is interested in it and committed to the relationship uh, could be very fruitful for both parties. And um, we need support. There's a, uh, we, we all know this is a, a relational, business is relational. And, um, and if you don't have those relationships, it's going to be very hard to be successful in business. Um, and, and because of that, if you have the means, you have the network, don't be a gatekeeper, put people on. It's enough out here for everybody to eat. And it's it's enough opportunity, and who knows, you might get an opportunity created off of your off of you giving back. So, um, I encourage um, professionals of all all um, experiences to seek out relationships as well. I think that there's also an advantage to more seasoned executives and people that's been working for thirty years to have a relationship with somebody fresh out of college that has very different ideas than them and can keep them on their toes and challenge their perspectives. So I think it's a, a mutually beneficial thing and people need to seek it out uh, uh, from both ways. You have um, developed and gained sort of a reputation or a brand, if you will, for for showing up, right? Mm-hmm. Showing up, not being in relationships that are transactional, but really building um, relationships you know, for those that are at home thinking, man, I really need to get more network. Like what have been the benefits of you just showing up? Really, it's. I I could say when I got my internship, I didn't apply <laughs> to the twins. Uh, I had networked the, 
the sport industry like crazy and I showed up to coffee and I followed up and I um and I kept bugging them and I randomly text them or called them and um wanted to um to continue to develop those relationships so when I got invited somewhere I showed up I was uh I was myself I always showed up as myself I've never been anywhere that I haven't been myself which I think helps me out but I also know it comes a little bit more naturally to me than than most and um you just kind of got to get out your comfort zone and figure out what are those questions that you want to get answered and to be able to figure out what value that you have so um figure out what value that you bring to others as well is very helpful when you're networking because people are very much so more inclined to have that meeting with you when they see that you can provide value to to their life and what they have going on as well so do you, can you articulate what the value is that you bring? Yeah, I think they see it. They know that I'm they they know that I'm on the rise. They know that I'm committed. They uh they know that I can speak languages that they can't, whether it be like me and you, I speak languages that you can't, and you speak languages that I can't, right? Um I also uh come educated. I come with a network as well. Um and I've, I'm I'm actually on the ground, so I think people people feel that I provide that value as well of being on the ground, and they know that I'm gonna return the favor. I always in conversations with how can I help? How can I help you? What you have going on? I know we talked a lot about me, but what? What, how can I help what you got going on, whether it be volunteering when I was young. I still volunteer, but when I was younger in my career, it was a lot of volunteering. It was maybe making a call. It could be, um, you know, running something across town, whatever it may be. There's some value that, that you can add. You just got to ask people, how can they help? And sometimes people will say, they, they weren't thinking it at all. They're going to say, how could you help? You know, and it's, it gets back to that. It's about who knows you. So when there's such an opportunity to help, they're going to call you because you offer. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, fantastic for um, just getting looping back to V3 as we close. Um, one uh, thing is if people wanted to learn more about what you've got going on at V3 Sport, where would they go? Yeah, we're on all social medias. We're on Facebook. V3 Sports. We're on Instagram, V3 underscore sports. We're on LinkedIn um, at V3 Sports. Um, and then our website is V3Sports.org. Um, I really ain't hard to find. You can always find me on LinkedIn at um, Malik Rucker. And um, um, you can find them pretty much the rest of our team as well. So we're across social platforms and we're, um, we're also on our website at V3 Sports. Okay. And then what is the open date uh, for V3? We don't have an exact open date, but it'll be spring 2024. Uh, we anticipate getting keys in February or March of 2024, and then we'll take some time to learn the building and train. And we have a lot of a lot of jobs and careers over at V3. So please stay tuned or hit me up if you are interested in um, in all these different jobs that we'll have to support this facility and this development in um, the community. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And you still have some fundraising to go. We have a ton of fundraising to go. So um, as I said, we we raise funds for the for the first phase. The second phase really creates that regional attraction for V3. And it's a much bigger uh, uh, capital campaign. So 
we've actually raised about 58.1 million of um, our total raise of 125. So uh, help us bridge that gap. You can always reach out to me, Malik at v3sports.org. You can hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, we welcome donors and potential members of V3 to come over to the facility and get a and get a tour, get you a hard hat. But we have a we have a big raise to make, and Minnesota is very philanthropic, and we are a state that um, will come together. And I know to get V3 done, to get this investment done in North Minneapolis, this is an all hands on deck thing that we got to do. So. Mm-hmm. I actually, I'm, I'm glad you said that. I guess I do have one more question because you you talk about it as a regional destination. So sometimes when things mm-hmm. are in neighborhoods that people are less familiar with, they, mm-hmm. they see that as a benefit only to that particular neighborhood. But you've mm-hmm. described it as a regional destination. So how does it benefit the region? It benefits the region because we're it's going to economically benefit the region. And we're going to not only have jobs and careers, which I just spoke about, we're going to um, have enrichment opportunities for our kids to go out and work for these companies and start their own businesses and be in, um, and, and contributing to the economy. Um, a, another thing is we're going to be having folks come in from outside of Hennepin County and spending money at our restaurants and spending money at our hotels, spending money at our gas stations and all of our businesses, uh, which is money flowing into our community and into our region. And that's that's the benefit of, of having a regional destination, not only for the activities, but for the economic activity that comes from being able to um, have and host um, events and opportunities within this space. So we're doing that right in North Minneapolis. And um, sometimes you see a regional destination or a national uh, or a state national destination as as a, a stadium or arena. But we're kind of doing it. Um, something in a similar similar lane around economic impact. Mm-hmm. And then I guess the very last question is when you talked about the kids designing the, the podium that mm-hmm. has the backdrop of downtown, mm-hmm. like, you know, from a picture point of view, I, I get like, it's a great photo, but like symbolically, what does it mean for people to stand there with the backdrop of downtown? I think it's just a school. It's a cool skyline, especially when at night. But I also think that um, downtown can see us, mm. right? It's, it's some, you know, people will come over and say, oh, I love the skyline. You can see downtown. But I always say, no, downtown can see us. Um, and downtown doesn't always see us, which is a lot of our corporations and philanthropy and um, a lot of folks that aren't typically engaged in North Minneapolis, but now they're going to see us from when they, when they on the 75th floor, they're going to be able to look out at CB3 right across 94 um, on Plymouth and Lindell. Awesome. Thank you, Malik Rucker, Executive Director at V3 Sports, located in North Minneapolis and Minnesota, a regional destination. Thank you for being on Conversations with Shonda. Thank you for having me. It was great. To explore more insightful conversations and stay updated on Shonda Smith-Baker's work, visit our new website at smithbaker.co. That's smithbaker.co.